What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. So did you, uh, did you survive the, the hurricane flow? We did. We swam out of it. It's, um, uh, there was some flooding here in town, and it, the rain was pretty serious on Sunday. None of it impacted me um, <clears throat> all that directly. I was um, dealing with a housebound five-year-old uh, all weekend, which that's probably worse <laughs> than something of a hurricane in and of itself. But uh, part Thanks. of that, I'll take a hurricane, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Uh, no, we got through it good. It was, it was all, it was all fine. And uh, sunny skies out there now, and looking beautiful. So. Yeah, we got maybe a couple of the outside bands that hit us on uh, on Saturday, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so uh, no gigs this weekend, basically. No, no you, gigs right? this weekend. Everything, everything's canceled up good, but you had a big weekend. Yes. So um, we did uh, we did Fanny Pack Friday on Friday, and I, we had a private event on Saturday. So... This coming this weekend was kind of a, a stressful point for me because one, we were doing a ticketed event, um, which is you know we're kind of relying on our own steam, and we had two subs, uh, sub bass player and sub drummer, which normally would never happen. But um, our drummer had spinal surgery, uh, and while he is doing very well, he wasn't up to uh, doing the challenge. Um, the <laughs> the sub that we got is an intern for our front of house guy who happens to be 18 years old. Hmm. Um, so you know, 80s and 90s, not really his uh, his wheelhouse coming in pretty dry. Um, but they uh, they put the work in and um, you know playing wise things went pretty good. Good. Now Friday, um, we were going into it pretty strong. We had sold out of tables and um, and banquets, which were the two tops. And had some booths available, but pre-sales were a little ahead of where they were last time. So I was thinking, you know, we were we were in good shape. Um, what we ended up experiencing was that pre-sales were basically the entire attendance of the show. There was not a very strong walk-up uh, component like there was last time. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I had, I was paying these guys a flat rate because uh, they were subs, and you know, they don't have the buy-in that um, the other guys in the band would normally have. So when it was all said and done, you know. I didn't just play for free. I actually, we lost money on that, on that gig, you know, covering for the, uh, for the other guys, um, which is pretty, you know, <laughs> demoralizing, disappointing, but there were, you know, besides the, the hurricane and it being the same weekend as music midtown in Atlanta, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and we should have known better. Uh, there's definitely some lessons learned there and, you know, we'll, we'll have to do a postmortem on, you know, moving forward, how we kind of retool the event. I still think the event as a concept has legs. Um, I think the branding's good. I think the concept's good. We just have to, um, we have to make sure that we don't lose our shirts, uh, every time we pull this thing off. Sure. So what do you, what do you, um, I mean, I know you, you maybe haven't dug into it as much as you intend to, but, um, just at the first cut of it, what would you say is the, the, the cause of the difference between the two times out on it? Honestly, I think it's, it was, it was just the date. Um, you know, Music Midtown in Atlanta is is a huge deal. And and while it wasn't happening the night that we were playing, it was happening the next day. Mm. And it's an all-day event. And it was like, you know, and I, I don't even, it was 
I don't know the exact attendance numbers, but it was an, an absolute sea of people, yeah. like in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, so my guess would be that a lot of people were planning on going to see, going to Music Midtown and opted to, you know, take it easy Friday night because they had a big weekend of stuff ahead of them. And, you know, we were trying to aim for a particular age range that, you know, would appeal to the music that we were playing, but that also kind of intersects with, you know, people who would attend a festival like that. So, um, that was one of those things where we had committed to the date before Music Midtown was announced. We were kind of in a, in a rough spot. We should have probably just tried to reschedule, to be honest. It's kind of like the the thing we had at Tailgaters last week where it was really quiet mm-hmm. and, and it was the first night of the three-day North Carolina Folk Festival. Uh, yeah. This was real similar, you know, and it's the kind of thing. Um, I mean, that event, the Folk Festival was scheduled a year in advance. It's not like I couldn't have known that when I booked that date. I just didn't think to look, right? I just didn't. Yeah. Um, didn't cross my mind about what we'd be competing against. And of course the previous night, the previous weekend was Labor Day weekend. I talked about this on the last episode about how our mm-hmm. last two shows were low. It's uh, it's a real lesson, you know? It, um, and I, if I didn't learn it from my last two weeks, hopefully I'll learn it from you and Fanny, this Fanny Pack Friday, right? About really looking at what's going on around you and what other um, events in your market might impact your, your schedule. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, I, I've been, habitually blind to that and it has cost me yeah um so after kind of having it wasn't a bad night because like we 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 had people there and the people that were there you know it was it was around 100 people like i'm not going to complain that 100 people paid good money to come see us play um it was just that after production costs and all of those things and the cut that the venue was taking we just didn't you know we didn't cover what we normally covered um now Saturday night being a private event, it was it was on the lower end of our guarantee, um, which, you know, kind of licking my wounds and and doing the numbers and being like, man, you know, I really am not going to have much to show for it this weekend. I reached out to a friend of the shows and was like, would you put a tip jar out at a private event? And his response was, absolutely. If you don't. He's like he they he's like I do it at every single show regardless of whether it's public or private or whatever. Um if you don't you're leaving money on the table because people are there and they want to show their appreciation yada yada yada. Yeah. So yeah. I brought one. Now when we got there there was uh there was first of all I was in this palatial house like one of those things where like the driveway is like, you know, a mile long and just huge place, crazy pool. We were playing outside which, you know, was kind of unfortunate because uh, it was so hot and so humid. Um, and they set up a big tent. They had like this massive tent. Um, and they were joking like, oh, we're going to set this tent up and then nothing's going to, you know, nothing's going to happen. And then it immediately started pouring after the, the tent was sent up and our stuff was put under it. Yeah. So the rain subsides, we, we get s- set up and the show itself goes great. Um, you know, I was, I was just as nervous about Saturday night as I was Friday because, you know, there were a lot of songs that these guys hadn't played with us before. Um, we had two rehearsals to kind of get through everything, but they on it like both of the both of the subs put the work in and did a fantastic job, um, which you know makes me feel good. And it, it was one of those things that I was definitely stressing about and that I just needed to kind of let go of. Um, and now I have two more guys that I can call on when you know stuff is going on. The bass player is fantastic. He's a good dude. I've known him for a long time and. I think he's a good guy to, to know because one, he's a very competent, capable musician. And two, he doesn't play with anybody. 
So he's got a technical job um, doing production um, for one of the churches that I uh, that I used to attend, and he's also a music director. So he's a good person to talk to. Yeah, that's great. You know, and and he he was like, you know, this was so much fun. I haven't had this much fun in I can't tell you how long. You know, if you guys need help with anything, just say the word. Like I do this full time. This is my job. Like I, I won't charge you. Like I just want to. I want to be a part. Um, and so I took him to task on that. I was like, so you know, you did two gigs with us. Let me, you know, let me know what you think. I will take any information, positive or negative, that you've got. And he's like, I'll have to think about it, and I'll, I'll get back to you. So, okay. But I'm I'm cool. I'm optimistic that um that things went well. So let me get back to my story. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I brought the tip jar. It started raining. It didn't. It never made it out of the car to the to where the stage was. Um, so we go through our show, and everybody's very complimentary. And it's funny because you know there was maybe twenty, thirty people at this entire event, and at any time we had a maximum of maybe five to eight people in front of us. But because the number was so much smaller, you know you know, otherwise, like if you were playing at a club, that would be kind of, you know, a drag, but at a private event, like eight people up front dancing and having a good time, that's like, that's good. And so we were feeding off the energy and everybody was super complimentary and had a good time. And at the end of the night, the client tipped us a a pretty solid amount. And what it basically did is it made up for the, um, the money that, I lost on the, on the night before. So basically at the end of the weekend, everybody walked home with the same amount of money. Okay, good. So that, that made up for it. Now, the question is, if I had put a tip jar out, would I have made the same amount of money from the people at the party or would the client have still felt inclined to tip us at the end of the night? Wow, it's a good question. I, I, how I could see that going is that you would collect some tips enough to turn the inside of the jar slightly green. Yep. Um, and that that would have suppressed the host's inclination to bump your pay. Mm-hmm. I think you. I think you did better not having a jar out. Yep. That's my guess. Yep. I kind of agree with that. Um, and again, I reached out to my friend and kind of told him that, and he was kind of, he was a little bit, you know, ambivalent about whether that that would have been the case or not. But again, that's one of those kind of hypotheticals you really can't, you know, yeah. you can't determine. Yeah, yeah, kind of a control evening, right? Yeah. You can't be very scientific about it. I will say, I think, um, I think that, um, I I have no problem putting out a tip jar at a private event. I w- I run it by the organizer first. Yeah. I've never had an organizer have a problem with it. Um, I don't think I would do that at a wedding. I never have done it at a wedding. I don't think, I think that's the one private event I would not put out a tip jar at. Yeah, I kind of agree with that there. Cause I mean, they do like the, I don't know what else to call it, but like the offering where like they, you know, I've seen them pass the bucket around for the bride and groom for yeah. like honeymoon or whatever. Right. right. Um, right. And right. some people think that that's tacky. I don't know. Um, there doesn't seem to be a hard and fast rule about any of this stuff. No, no, and I have had people walk up and throw money at my feet, you know, when I didn't have a jar out. So, yeah. um, giving them a place to put that—that's not going to, you know, I'm not going to slip on it or whatever—is probably a OSHA matter. But um, the, uh, I, I, I agree with you that people want there to be 
someplace to express their appreciation. I think a tip jar is um, a good means of communication between us and the audience. Um, and I don't generally have a problem with it at parties or birthdays or um, um, what do you think about corporate events? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, but a birthday party or something for sure. I think that's fine. Now, typically for events, we have giveaways, like just promo stuff that we just hand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen people want to like pay us for them, but like typically that's just not how that goes. You know, for, for corporate events, your aim is to kind of like cover as wide a swath as you possibly can. Um, sure. so, you know, our hope is, is that, and, and this was actually, this was a secondary gig. So, um, the client who the client had seen us at a, another private event at like a, like a club that they're a member of in June and then hired us to play this event for this one. Nice. So, nice. um, and we've already, I think booked for the next year for that same club event. Um, you know, whether we come back to their house remains to be seen. Um, but it does give me motivation that like we are starting to see kind of return customers and that we kind of need to start offering things. So, you know, this past e- this past Saturday, we played 80 stuff, 90 stuff, and top 40. And I hope that that, you know, I was kind of like making a, a bit of a, hey, by the way, you know, we can do this. We can do any of these, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a kind of way of marketing and making people aware that like, hey, this is not just a one-note deal. Right. So another thing that I added, and I don't know if it makes a difference, but I thought it was kind of clever, is I got... I don't know. At some point we had in the, in the band room, we had one of those little light up marquees, mm-hmm. like, like a battery powered one. That's, you know, I don't know, maybe like 12 by eight or 12 by 10, um, small portable one. And I had been taking it to, uh, the acoustic gigs with my name on it. Um, but I opted to put our social media, um, contact. So on the, on the little marquee, it said at members only ATL, which was, the stage setup for this gig was insane. It didn't, if you would, I I couldn't even diagram it. If you asked Mm. me to, um, there was a giant concrete flower pot type thing in the middle of where the quote unquote stage was. Um, but it, it, you know, we made it work and all that, but it was basically right up front and I saw a lot of people take pictures in front of it and including, you know, the guys who were subbing for the band, um, so I, it felt like it could be a useful tool just for marketing purposes. If for no other reason, like, you know, a lot of times you go to a venue and you're just hanging out and maybe, you know, you have a kick drum logo or you have your scrims or whatever, but something about something lit up on stage when you're not on stage just tends to attract attention. Sure. So it just seems like something that could be useful. No, I think that's smart. I think that's really smart. You, ne- you never know how many, um, I mean, part of the point of those handouts is that like tomorrow morning when they get home and they're sobered up, <laughs> they remember your name and they find you. Yeah. Um, so anything that sort of leaves a, some physical residue of their <laughs> time with you is a good thing. Well, yeah. And I'll get pictures every now and then a picture of people wearing our, um, like our sunglasses, which we, mm-hmm. we probably need to put a new order in. And then, um, we typically give out koozies at private parties and stuff, but this one uh, was a keg party and I, I actually went and tested like, do any of the glasses fit in these? So I was like, no. Nah. So I ended up yeah. saving them. Um, but yeah, typically the koozies are a big hit 
especially at a place like if they've got an open bar, you just put them at the bar and people grab them and yeah. it's got our website on it and you know, it's good branding and I think yep. they look cool. Yep. So, good. so in, in the end, you know, having a rough Friday and having a good Saturday meant we had a great weekend. Excellent. Excellent. And I always do love a two gig weekend. It's hard on, hard on me physically, but it's uh good for the soul to play that much. Yeah. I, um, my hands, my left hand specifically, um, was reminded me that, Hey, you're not a full-time guitar player anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, speaking of, I'm prepping for my first, um, solo acoustic show in a really, really long time, long enough that, you know, I mean, literally 20 years probably. Um, and, uh, I, I am reminded that playing acoustic feels very different from playing electric for three mm-hmm. hours. It's a much different, uh, physical thing. And I've spent some time, um, prepping and, and, um, rehearsing and just trying to build those muscles back in my hand. Cause it's been, uh, an awful long time since I played acoustic for that long. Yeah. Start um, playing like bar chords at like the first and second frets. And you're like, Ugh. Oh yeah. My F and my B flat are just <laughs> hurting me. I had to, I had to like go relearn how to play an open F mm-hmm. <laughs> cause I haven't, I just haven't done one in so long. I <laughs> just get getting that back into my hand as a, as a part of my normal repertoire. Just, just I, make I it, just make every that. F and F major seven. There's no bars. It's very, it's very jazzy. Yeah. You can just, yeah. just throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Anyway, um, tell me this, what, um, we didn't really plan beforehand to talk about this, but, Mm -hmm. um, since I'm in the, in the mix of it, when you do solo acoustics, what do you, um, song selection wise, what do you throw in that's surprising? What do you throw in that's unusual and interesting? So I would say that I've got songs for other people and songs for me. Um, they're all on the list, but typically there are songs that like I just enjoy performing and singing Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. typically will play those when either it's early in the evening and there's not a lot of people there or people aren't requesting stuff or it's just kind of like quiet and there's not a lot going on. Um, That being said, the last acoustic gig I played, a guy came up and requested a song that was a me song that I was really kind of blown away by. The one that I, that immediately jumped to jump to mind is uh, Allison by Elvis Costello. Oh, that's a good tune. No one ever requests it except for this one guy, you know, in the, I don't know, seven to 10 years it's been on my list. That's always one I kind of play towards the early part of the, um, early part of the evening just is because I just like playing it. Um, yeah, I love that song. And what I, what I've done is, um, there's a, you know, Atlanta guys know who it is and I've, I'm sure I've brought him up before, but, uh, a guy named Butch Walker who had, two crazy shows this weekend um, around Music Midtown, including the one on Sunday with Music Midtown. Um, he released a uh, an out, like an EP, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago called Cover Me Bad. And he had this really awesome live acoustic version of that song. And that's the version that I learned. It, you know, it just kind of translates really well. And, um, that's cool. And I play it all the time. But again, it's, it's just one of those that's for me. Um, and there's also some like contemporaries or like, you know, songs that aren't so obscure. Um, I like doing Credence songs. Okay. Like, have you ever seen the rain is one of my favorite songs to to play. Very rarely Mm -hmm. do I get requests for that. And even, I mean, I've got a couple other, um, Credence songs on my list, but have you ever seen the rain is my, like my song. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. 
as well as, you know, I, I love the Eagles. So all the Eagles songs are for me. All the Pink Floyd songs are for me. <laughs> right. Well, listen, I'm, I'm the, the, for me on this show that I'm setting up are, um, Radiohead, actually. I've got um, High and Dry and um, Fake Plastic Trees mm-hmm. um, and actually Karma Police as I, as I look through this. That might be a little too much Radiohead. Um, I may have to tone it down on the Radiohead. But I've also got um, Jammin', Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. F- find me a more fun song to play than that. Um, uh, touch of Grey is a winner. Um you're just some weird indie rock hippie or something. I am. I am. I am. Um, well, I'm also doing um, In Your Eyes, uh, Peter Gabriel. That's a good one. Good one. Um, and, um, okay, I Feel the Earth Move, Carol King. Okay. Take me way back. Uh, but that one's a lot of fun, too. Um, and, and then I'm doing some modern stuff. I'm doing um, Redbone mm-hmm. and... Um, Let's see. Uh, Hit me, baby, one more time. Nice, which is fun. And um, one, two, three, four. Feist. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's been it's been a while since I've. I mean, I've got I've, I've sort of dialed in what it is to build a set list for a funk rock dance party band. Mm-hmm. And um, my I feel like my chops at acoustic set list building are um, dusty if if <laughs> if they exist at all. Yeah. So. Uh, is uh, wagon so wheel on your list? Oh no, no. It should be. Should it? Honestly. Okay, but so, should it though? So here's the thing. I um I don't listen to the radio. I never really have been a big fan of of radio. Um, right now, like in my car, I've got XM, and I listen to almost exclusively Volume, which is a talk radio channel that's about music. So it's just hmm. people talking about music, which is like the nerdiest thing on the planet. Well, listen, you make a podcast about music, so that's true. If you were, but if, if you're that, if you yeah. have XM, you should check out channel 106. It is the nerdiest, greatest channel of all time. Um, but when that song came out, which I think it was probably like, what, 2002, 2003, it was Old Crow Medicine yeah. Show's take right. on that song. And yeah. I never, I, I bought that I bought that album and I loved it. I never, ever heard Darius Rucker's version. So I never heard it get played to death. So it's on my list, and I honestly love playing that song. It just never, it, you know, I was also out of the clubs for a long time doing solo stuff. So I, it, it just hasn't been beat to death. So in 2018, I can still play Wagon Wheel with, without a drop of irony. I just, I really do enjoy singing that song. That's good. You know, I'm, I mean, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a song selection snob, um, um, but that one I'm a little beaten to death on. I mean, I get it. I, I I understand why some people don't like it, and I also play some songs that, like you know, are technically top forty, quote unquote, but haven't may may have kind of faded from the um, the the pop culture ether. Um, yeah. I still play "Rude" by Magic because hmm. it's a great song. It's got kind of like a it's a reggae kind of feel to it, and it tells a story. You know, I mean, it it is you know by definition just a a good acoustic song to play because there's really not much to it. Right. And it's in a very comfortable core position. You don't really have to work too hard. That's good. It's good. It is all about efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, and you, you never know how, you know, how hard, you know, how long it's been since you played until you're, you're in hour three of a, of a four hour set. And you're like, man, I'm kidding. 
I really need to stretch before I do this. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, well, you know, my you, electric chops are totally different from my acoustic chops. Like just muscle wise. It's yeah. So it's I totally weird. cheat. My, uh, my acoustic is a, a Taylor T five custom, which is set up maybe like a, like a fairly heavy gauge Les Paul. Mm. Like I'm playing like with like 12s. Like I'm, yeah. or, or maybe 11s. It, it, they're pretty. They're they're electric strings. It's the G strings, not wound, um, and it's a thin line. So I mean, it plays like a like a semi hollow. Um, nice. So I, I do have that luxury. I, I went over to my my buddy's house and played one of his parlors, and I was like, "Ugh, this is hard." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a I have a Seagull SG6 um, dreadnought that I really love. Just sounds fantastic. I need to get one. Um, I need to get yeah, just I like a, a a solid beater acoustic that you know doesn't cost yeah, three grand to replace that's what the seagull is I, th- I really think you know seagull is um godin's acoustic brand mm-hmm. and um, they're fantastic it's the best cheap but guitar on the market i'm really happy with it but uh, but it plays like an acoustic it does not play like an electric at all mm-hmm. so yeah it's, uh, it's a matter of uh uh building some hand strength back because i've atrophied as an acoustic player over all my decades of playing electric yeah good stuff man all right. It's, it's, I don't know. I, th- those kind of gigs are fun. Um, or they can be fun. They can also be completely soul sucking. Um, you know, you just have to kind of find the balance of, you know, they are paying me to do this and it is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm getting to play songs I wouldn't normally get to play. Like members only is never going to play Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, right. And none of my other bands are going to either. So it's just kind of nice to try something different and, and, you know, for me, it's it's a it's an opportunity to kind of connect with songs that like inspired me as a uh, as a young musician, kind of coming up. Yeah. So, but it's yeah, it, good. It, it, and it's also it can also humble you more than you know <laughs> anything else. Because well, you got nobody but yourself. I mean, the thing the thing that I um, am really working on is um, just no matter what happens, no matter what chord I miss or whatever, just never dropping the beat. Mm-hmm. So easy, just up, fumbled one, up, and get back into it. And um, boy, when you do that, it's painful. It's really painful. It's not painful for me when I'm playing. I hardly notice it when I'm playing. But when I hear other people do that when they're playing solo, it's like, oh, yeah. man, the whole thing just fell apart. It's true. Um, and when I have a drummer and a rhythm section behind me, I don't have to worry about that. They're keeping it going. Well, um, we, you know, you could always use a looper. I could always use a looper. That's true. And just kind of chucka 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 on the uh, on the deal, and then that's your backing track. Yes, yes, it's always an option. Yeah, I have a I have a um, TC Helicon Voice Live three that actually has a very good multi track looper. Um, it would just be a matter of dedicating some time to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've debated that as well. Like I've got one. Um, I've used the looper kind of sparingly. Like this, I was asked once to do outdoor holiday music in like December in Atlanta and it wasn't particularly cold. Um, but it's just, it's hard to use your hands when it's not, you know, optimal degrees. And I was playing, they had me playing in the middle of the day at a shopping center during the week. Um, and you know, you can only play so many holiday songs. Like I don't, I, I'm sure there's (laughs) some guys out there that have a three hour holiday set, but I don't. No. So what I started doing is, you know, you learn these kind of jazzy progressions, sing your verse, sing the second verse or whatever, sing your bridge, and then just play, 
you know, play over those, those chords. Um, and you know, that's an easy way to kill 14 minutes with have yourself a merry little Christmas. Right. Especially someplace like a shopping center where the audience is turning itself over every two minutes. Yeah. Except for the poor people who are in the boutiques that are going, Oh God. Yeah. I still play. Have still, yeah. Merry little Christmas. Do, 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 do. <laughs> It is about time to start learning that stuff. You know, we have a New Year's Eve gig. I'm going to have to learn all Lang Syne. I mean, do you though? Probably. You could probably learn I uh you could probably learn that uh that Black Eyed Peas song I got a feeling. You could probably do that. But tonight's going to be a great night. Yeah. A good night. A good good night. Look, I'm upgrading it. Tonight's going to be a great night. It's great. I like it. Yeah. Everybody should take license. You should take the words of the songs you're covering and completely change them. Nobody hates that you know what's even better <laughs> go ahead and insert your own political and or religious affiliation in those lyrics i'm sure no oh, one yeah. will notice and it won't be uh, a problem ever you will not be run out of town on a rail nope people will not totally stop right. coming to your shows because you're you know that's a right. yahoo that's right that's right look if they're gonna if they're gonna um burn nike you know logos we are an apolitical show, but seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the point the point is <laughs> people take stuff really seriously. They do. Um, um, you know, you just gotta be aware of that. Oh, so let's let's go ahead and take a hard right turn because we were talking about learning new songs. Um yes. so it's September. The next month is obviously October. Do you guys change up your set list for Halloween themed stuff? I have a couple that I poke in there. Um, we have in the past done the monster mash. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, often will throw in, uh, I put a spell on you, um, which I put late in the evening because I can't not do the full screaming Jay Hawkins on yeah. that thing. It's, it's, it's necessary. Now do you, you put the bone um, in your nose and everything or? I, I have, um, there are costumes that I wear. That one's not, um, I feel I'm not ethnically prepared for, to, uh, to, um, that's fair. Uh, I think it would make a strange culturally statement. sensitive. I, I, I can yeah, dig that. Trying to be, trying to be, um, um, the other thing of course, is we have now this, uh, giant Abraham Lincoln puppet, yep. Lincoln puppet. That is a perfect Halloween addition mm-hmm. to a Halloween show. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what our plan is about that. Uh, Lincoln's actually don't have any shows right around Halloween, but I am playing Halloween night with Viva La Muerte. So I'm sure there's uh, some sort of creative thing that you guys are going to do for that. I'm quite sure. You know, we, we the show we did with them with both bands in April was a costume party mm-hmm. that we built as Halloween in April, and um, people uh, <laughs> really just dug into that costume party thing. It was great. Um, so yeah, it's a fun, fun bunch of guys that do, um, uh, guys and, and a girl who do, um, you know, theme stuff well. So, so we'll see. So we'll for see. us, luckily the eighties, something about eighties and Halloween just go together. It's all the same nostalgia trip. Isn't it, it really is. Um, yeah. so we'll be pulling out quite a, we, I mean, that's the thing is that there's probably like five to 12 songs that we'll add a uh, thriller, obviously. Sure. I just died in your arms. It's a good oh. one. We do that yeah. one all the time anyway. Um, Ghostbusters. I mean, come on. And actually, we, we've come got on. buddies in, in the cosplay world. The Atlanta Ghostbusters are, are friends of ours. And 
typically if they're coming to a show, they're like, Hey, we're coming. So we'll put it in the set list. And then they walk in with all of their gear on and then they get free drinks all night. That's great. Uh, That's great. Let's see who else. Uh, somebody's watching me. Rockwell. Sure. Sure. Um, what else? The one that I want to add this year is uh, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. I love that song. I love that song. If I could get away with playing it with a four-piece guitar, now, I would so do Okay, it. so offline, Just, I'm going to send you one. So okay. there's um and and that's that's the reason why we haven't done it up to this point is that you know the Oingo Boingo version is just heavily orchestrated. Um yeah. but a while ago, I, I can't remember what label did it, but there was, you know, have you ever heard of the Punk Goes Pop series? Mm-hmm. Well, they did a Punk Goes 80s, you know, I don't know, it's probably at least 10 years ago. And and there was a band that did an all, you know, electric rock band version of Dead Man's Party that we will more than likely That's be great. using as our kind of starting off point. Okay. Love it. So yeah, no, there's no horns, there's no keys, it's just all guitar. And it it also is arranged a lot easier. Um because that's the other issue with Oingo Boingo stuff is that they're, the structures are insane. Structures are nuts. Yeah, so that that is one of the fun things about about um, being in a, in a band like ours is that there are a lot of choices to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then actually, last year we did we did Thriller cover to cover for um, for it wasn't a private event it was but it was a ticketed event. Fun. Um, and I remember them thinking that that was a really great idea, and then we were like, "Are you sure?" And they were not sure. Um, and then they found out that like, oh, wow, there's a lot of really draggy slow jams on this record. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up doing it in a, in a different order. Um, we did like the first two and then we we kind of broke it up with some more Halloween themed stuff. Um, and we ended, we ended with Thriller. But it was like, PYT, like the last four were PYT, Let's Go Crazy by Prince, Beat It, Ghostbusters and Thriller, Good. Um, which is a pretty solid set. But the first half, and we actually, we cut out Lady in My Life. Good. Because it's too, it's just too, sh- too Good. slow. Good. How about The Girl Is Mine? Girl Is Mine was right slap dab in the middle. Hmm. Um, so it was like, want to be starting something, baby, be mine. We did Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell, and then we did The Girl Is Mine. Okay. That's it's right. a great song, right. but again, well, like, do you well, really want to stand there and watch a band play it? Yeah, no, no. And there's, there's another, Yacht Rock Review does it every year. Sure, um, no, sure. It's, it's perfect for them. But they do, they, I actually got that idea from the fact that they do the same thing. They do it out of order. They do it with a bunch of songs in between because, again, you don't, people think they want to hear Thriller, but they don't know what Thriller is. No. They want to hear, they want to hear Billie Jean. They want to hear Beat It. They want to hear Thriller. That's what they want to hear. Yep. It's just the problem is there's five other songs in that record. Yeah, and there and some of them are killer. I mean, PYT is a great song. Sure. Well, and I mean, and and again, we want to be starting something, but again, it's it's, it's eight it's eight minutes long. Yeah, you can't do the whole. Uh, you can do the whole thing. It's just, you can, and yeah. people do, but you're going to do almost a solid forty five seconds to a minute of Mama Say Mama Sama Maku sauce. Yeah, and if you get the audience going on that, it's fun. I've done that. Yeah. But if they're not, then uh, you're just <laughs> flailing in the wind. It's deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, and as soon as we're done with that, you know, you got to learn all those those ten cent chords, all those sevens and major ninths and diminishes, sure. and to do all that Bing Crosby junk. But it's all good. Yeah, that's what we're. That's what they pay us the big bucks for. That's right. Or the small bucks. Just don't play for <laughs> no bucks. 
That's right. Don't play for no bucks. That's going to be our new t-shirt. I like it. Yeah. Write that down. Write that down. It's the theme of this, uh, theme of this episode. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, continuing to tune in. You know, our numbers are pretty consistent. What I would love is if you, uh, anybody who is listening to this right now, write this down. Write this down. Cause again, this is the theme. Um, share this with your bandmates because if everybody's bandmates are listening to this, then there are literally like 12 bands <laughs> listen to this podcast. I would love if everybody who listens to this podcast would commit to sharing this with your bandmates. I would love to see what would happen. Yeah. So for, uh, for those of you who have reached out to us directly or those of us, those of you who are just kind of passively um, participating and you know lurking in our subscription, I want you to actively share this episode with your uh, with the guys in your band and uh, and see where it goes. And for those guys, I want you to share it with your band because you're obviously in more than one band, more than likely. And I just want to see if we can you know organically spread this thing out a little bit. Yeah, because there, you guys are all over the world now, and um, you know we'd love to continue to, uh, to help people go further faster with their, uh, with their businesses and, um, you know, partner with you guys. So reach out, share with, share us with other people and, um, you know, continue to support us. We really appreciate it. But that's going to do it for this week from here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am Adam Johnson from Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Dan Wright. You have been listening to the cover band confidential podcast episode 24. Have a good week. <laughs>